Hello and welcome to Say That Podcast, your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. This week I'm deferring my illness to Lee, allowing him to be sick this week. Very magnanimous of you. As we know by the Robert's Rules of Say That bylaws, there can only be one sick person at a time. Mm -hmm. And if Glenn is feeling even a twinge, he gets dibs. Yep. But he's ceding the floor to the gentleman from Tennessee, who we'll introduce in just a minute. But first, we'll introduce Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Hello, everyone! Delighted to be here. Feeling quite wow. healthy. Joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, a pa- one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, and a man who is officially sick, Lee Younger. I felt like Jed's greeting was done at me. Right. Yep. Kind of hostile, you know. That's what I'm known for! <laughs> hostile greetings with Jed Brewer, a very unpopular line of holiday cards. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving, jerk. This has been a hostile greeting from Jed Brewer. I'm thankful for you! This has apparently been a hostile greeting by Fred Schneider of the (laughs) B-52s. And I'm sure these seven members of our audience who are aware of that band enjoyed that. I'm pretty much only talking to Todd Warren. At not only point. that, but but that you can name members of the B-52s. I was not fully confident in that one, I'm going to be honest. So, so we don't want to fact yeah, if I didn't get the, if, if I didn't get that right, don't don't tweet me about that. But we got great questions. We got uh, sick leaves, so we're going to power through the show here. But first, and most importantly maybe, I must declare an emergency. Whoa. An, an emergency? This is a say that super fan emergency. Everything okay? Well, kind of. And is, we, is it that Lee is coughing up a lung? No, that's fine, and we'll be cut out later in post, so we didn't oh, have to mention it. I see. He's Never on his mind. own track. It's not bleeding into our thing. Okay. To, I knew that. Not to get too technical. I pay attention to how the show is recorded. Lee, is that- you seem to be coughing in melody now, and you know, so much I'm sorry for your pain. That's the most beautiful song I've, I've ever heard. I, it'll be a pity to cut out all that coughing. Jed I mean. Brewer enjoying your pain is a subline of Jed Brewer's hostile greetings. Okay, so so that's the emergency. Yeah, yeah says Glenn. Apparently, the emergency is that, as you understand it, us skyping with Lee captures his soul, <laughs> as opposed to him just recording an audio track. I mean, he is living in this box right now, so yeah. Maybe that's why I, Glenn tried to help. He's like, maybe that's why Lee's so sick. We got to poke some holes in this box. That's right. He's got a computer virus. Hey, <laughs> very well wow. done. Yeah, wow, that's good. Yeah. But that's good. our emergency is uh, one the super fans can use in their own lives. Okay. Oh. It's, if you will, a teachable moment. Okay. A cautionary tale. It comes to us from podcast superfan, uh, vo- bridge volunteer, dear friend of the program, yeah. Mrs. Amanda Tolberg. Yes. Who recently shared a story with us that she was uh, at work at her. Normal, respectable workplace. And we should also point out that Amanda recently got married. Yes. Yes. And she married one of the guys who volunteers at the bridge as well. That's yes. true. So that's what you call a love connection. That's yes, right. Yes, it is. So there you go. That is a reboot of Love Connection that we hope Glenn will be hosting. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, because both of them listen to the podcast. Fair. And... uh there's, you know, that sparks a lot of romance. Just saying. Absolutely. And later there's uh, babies. Nope. That's the part <laughs> we're hoping you weren't going to say, <laughs> but we inevitably knew you would. Yeah. And it's a good transition into yeah. the story here because uh, Miss Amanda is at her, her uh, very 
high powered day job here in the, the financial sector. Of the yeah. Great city of Chicago. And is sharing with some of her coworkers what in her mind are the funny kind of off the wall yeah. uh, yarns of the bridge and of us yeah. and of her friends on the podcast and her friends who do the ministry. Yeah. And she gets through a couple of few of these and she looks up apparently to her, hear her tell it to a sea of horrified faces right. and the response. Why do you hang out with these people? They sound <laughs> awful. Right. That <laughs> is so true. It's a good point, right? Yeah. It's, I think it's one of the most accurate things that's ever been said about us. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, the, the, the sting was in the truth of it. Yeah. That's for sure. And also, we, we, as we helped uh, think through this, because we, we were just already to accept that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that seems like an accurate assessment, and that seems fine. But as we started to, to talk it through and think, think it through, we realized that what was missing from the laying the groundwork to talk about us kind of collection of ne'er do wells and rapscallions is the fundamental they do ministry in prison and they help the least of these right. and the series of good things about us, which then it like makes all the making babies right. and the yelling at Canada and the talking about stalkers. Yeah. That's funny through a lens of nice people who help people and do yes. religious stuff. So isn't that like not what you expect? <laughs> right. It turns out if you don't have that foundation, you're just telling stories about jerks. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> right. One of the one of the things that apparently I, I don't know why she thought to tell the story, but uh, apparently one of the tor- stories that she told was uh, it was actually one of the first kind of things that we did when. Jed and Hallie were dating, right? Uh, or was this after y'all got married? Very. It was the first. After we got married. It's like the first Christmas. That will I that will make it, sense as to why Hallie didn't flee. No, you're right. You were married because we were in y'all's apartment. Yeah. The ink was dry, as Glenn would put it. No takes his backs. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And and also it was a Halloween party. We got married at the beginning of October. Okay, so, so there you go. It's it's just, we've been know, married for like three weeks. Yeah. And this is the big, the big thing where it's like we'll have people over to the house and like yeah. we'll host it to our home, to our home. It'll be like to celebrate real... the holidays with our dear friends with whom we do this wonderful ministry. That's right. So Hallie says, you know, I want to be a good hostess. You know, let's have some fun. Yes, you know, so... mandatory organized fun. <laughs> That's right. So uh, it, she d- devised a game that we could play sure. and have fun at and yes. did not know that she was dealing with really horrible people because we were holding that in, inside yes. till the wedding took place so we wouldn't spook her. Sure. sure. Uh, and, yes. and I'm grateful for that. Absolutely. The game will be recognizable to many uh, youth leaders, young life okay. folks, uh, youth group people as the donut on a string game. Where yeah. You tie oh, wow. a donut. It's the one person version. So you tie a donut, a string through the hole of the donut, you hang it down and it's like, it's hard to bite, so that's kind of the that's the fun of it is right. The person looks kind of foolish trying to get a bite of this swinging donut. Right, and I I suggested that it'd be great if you know you everyone played the game and then I didn't. Sure, because you know was the way you phrased that. Uh, I'm not doing that. Something like that. So. Uh, then, then everyone was insistent. Come on, Glenn, join in the fun. So I did do that, and I I bit up the donut, and then I pretended that I was choking. 
Wait, you pretended? In an act of nonviolent <laughs> resistance, <laughs> except to Pete. I pretended to, to, to choke, and the, our, our staff guy, uh, Pete Lawson, was there, a wonderful, wonderful, sweet, lovely man who's about a foot taller than me, and I pretended <laughs> Whom you were to, discipling at the time and to this day in the ways correct. of Christian ministry. And... That's, that's correct. I pretended to be choking, and then I pretended to fall on him and tackle him down. Well, you literally did that. Yeah, I did that literally tackle him while pretending that I was choking and f- flailing my arms, and then I pretended to cough up the hunk of donut. Again, by pretended, you mean literally did. Yeah, I literally ejected <laughs> from Spat my mouth donut. donut directly into his ear canal. <laughs> oh, that's so that's so irresponsible description. And... um. That was the end of the game. Yeah. And it was sort of the end of the any, end of a lot. Innocence. Any, yeah. Yeah. And illusions shattering. For, for some reason, Amanda told that story to her workmates, and they were like, Yeah, that's uh, these are awful people. Which true. Yeah. And it's indicative because the thing that makes that kind of off the wall and funny is this was a holiday party for a ministry staff. Right, because people hear that and they think of their church staff, or, and they think, oh, you know, it's people sitting around talking about Leviticus or whatever they do, and right. you're like, no, these bunch of degenerates were, you know, coughing, coughing donut, donut on each, on each other. Right. other. Right. But if you don't have that, yeah, it's yeah. just a party where people are spitting foodstuffs at each That's other. That's right. Well, I, I think that there's, I think that when when we say on the show that you know that we're really reining things back, cleaning up the language, all that kind of stuff, I think people are thinking kind of yeah 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 whatever but like but oh but like really we are yeah, yeah. but like really really yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how you regularly hear us say stuff on this show it's like geez that's a little far that's a little out there right. this is as behaved as we are capable of being that's correct <laughs> it's also worth pointing out as we talk about how people apply things in their own lives when you hear us tell a story on the show and you think, is it possible they're exaggerating this a little bit for comic effect? <laughs> nope. It is almost certainly we are holding back the two or three most horrifying details yep. in order to remain socially acceptable. Yep. If you ever meet Peter Lawson, and I hope you do, he's a lovely man. You'll love Pete. He's great. He will tell you every word of that story is true, except for it was just more horrible. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I feel really encouraged because there's a thing I didn't realize I could do, which is use missionary as a get out of jail free card. Oh, please. I've been sitting on this for a long time. Now that I know I can do this, I'm talking about being at the grocery store, just knocking stuff over. Missionary. And then walk off. At the gas station, fill up, just fling the the, the pump, you know, it's pouring gas. Missionary! And just drive off into the sunset. I think I might even it depends on the situation you have to play it's just right but if someone ever just if i just don't like somebody i mean just punch them not hard not like to wound them right but like that's gonna be a very important distinction for the legal authorities just what's what's up lee just to send a message. Just to send to a message. So a little love tap and then missionary. Like and hit him in the nose with a rolled up piece of no- newspaper. This, you right? have it exactly. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Spray him with a water bottle. Right. Missionary. Right. And then walk off. I have been leaving this misbehavior, this sanctioned misbehavior on the table for too long. Let, for sure. I love this. Let me Let me kind of give you a corollary that hopefully our non-missionary friends who listen to the show can use. Um, there's, uh, there's a thing in, in the a church term called discipleship. Right. Which 
almost no one in any church is doing. Yes. So they don't know what it is. Yeah. So you can call anything discipleship. Oh. That guy, no, that's the visitor parking, but he parked in there in front of the church. You just roll up a newspaper and thump him on the nose. And when he gets lucky, what do you do? You say, discipleship. Right. And then thump him again and (laughs) then walk away. And he's been going to this, you know, suburban mainline. He doesn't know what discipleship is. He can't prove this isn't it. That's right. He doesn't know. Dude, you have truly, that's brilliance because check this out. Another thing on that list, outreach. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's all. We all know the word. Nobody knows what it is. So next time I'm leaving the office, I'm going to that new rock movie at the movie theater at noon with the triple nachos and pass like what? Outreach, son. Outreach. Right. Outreach. There's no one else in this theater. Outreach. Outreach. <laughs> well, and, and with the with the rolled up newspaper, you're literally reaching out. I'm there reaching out. Like you're reaching no out. Yeah. I touch more unsafe people than you do with the, with this with newspaper. newspaper. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know when you just have a bunch of Christians running around with newspaper. <laughs> that you, you know would that do any more damage than what they're doing no, now, Glenn? No, it would definitely not. But here's the part about this story that I loved. Please. Was that you know at some point she 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 has described us accurately and gotten an, a, a totally reasonable and objective response of these Ugh, people are yeah, horrible. True. But she realizes that, you know, it's like, I, you know, her response is, wait, wait, I haven't told it the right way. <laughs> but like everything she says to try and bail it out makes, makes it, it worse. worse. So she's like, yeah, okay. Well, like, yes, he was pretending to choke to death at a nice party <laughs> when it's the first thing after the wedding. But then there's like it was Christmas and they ate a reindeer on the air. It's fine. They're good people. They're lovely. And the people just getting more horrified. Like, oh wait, you know. But wait, you didn't let me finish. They, They talk about ranch dressing a lot. It's great, you know. Just everything is just worse, you know. Yeah, stories of the the old lady who misbehaved in church, so they tossed her out. Yeah, but it needed to be done. You don't understand. You've got to hear their their side of it. <laughs> That's right. So with the, the important label and caveat, yeah. to uh, share your, say that stories contextually and responsibly. Yeah. I will declare. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, when your friends say that those people are awful, they're, they're correct. It's, yeah. o- it's okay to agree with them that we're awful. You know what we say to that? Missionary! <laughs> with that, are. I declare emergency <laughs> off. Yes, we do try our best to behave here on the show. We don't succeed. To varying levels of, I was going to say varying levels of success. I guess failure and abject failure are both varying levels of success. Sure. Um, as we mentioned before, the place we really put a lot of behaving power is in the bridge box. Oh, yes. You know, these are, these are songs that have been edited. Yes. These usually. are not anybody's first pass at the lyrics. because that's going to be bad. That's going to be a song about donut spitting, and we don't need that. These are, we've had a couple of takes. We've had some production value put on those. We've had sermons that Glenn and I have uh, preached in front of a room full of people who have been known to do violence to people who say things that displease them, which yes. really, really uh, goes ahead and uh, sharpens the mind. Yeah, in a lot of focuses ways. the attention. Our Bible says you all sorts of good stuff going on here in the month of February. We're going to continue to talk about patience as our topic, something I think we could all use. A little bit of help on from time to time. We need a little patience as Guns N' Roses no remind us. And so missionusa.com slash bridgebox, only a dollar a month. It is the number one best way that folks who like the podcast can help us out and get some cool stuff for themselves. 
in general. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you us all the way to the end or scroll down into the episode descriptions, you have some ways to get in touch with us yourself. Our first question comes in anonymously, and it says, I know you guys talk a lot on the podcast about asking God what he has for us on a daily basis. I feel like right now God is asking me to obey him in the small things each day that may seem insignificant, but ultimately it is to build a stronger foundation of trust in him. That being said, I'm facing a lot of opposition from the enemy as I attempt to do that. I was wondering if y'all could talk more about this idea of following God daily and how it came to be an important part of your walk. And a fantastic question. It's got a lot of stuff we uh, really love in questions, some follow-up stuff we said before, asking about some practical day-to-days. We we think that's really awesome. And Glenn, where do we start this off? Well, I, I as well, I love this question, and I'm, I'm glad to get a chance to dive in on this. Uh, and I think a big part of what I'm looking at here, I, I like this idea of listening to the Lord daily. That's fantastic. Uh, and I like this idea of a stronger foundation coming off that. That's great. Uh, but then we're introducing the idea of trust into that, that, that we, if we're, we're listening, then we're hearing stuff, and then we're trusting in that, and then we're, and we're acting on that. But the problem is that there is more stuff. If you're talking about, I want to do that, how do I do that? There's more stuff in between uh, the, the, the process of committing to engage with this and the trust. Yeah. You, you, it should sound a little funny in your head to say, okay, step one, trust. Because mm-hmm. that's not step <laughs> that's one. That's what a Ponzi seems to <laughs> exactly Anybody right. starts off with, first of all, trust me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> trust me. Give me your money. Now, phase two, you know. That's <laughs> way, yeah, yeah, right. So you know, that, that, that should feel funny to us. Uh, in fact, I think it's a real a problem, real weakness that a lot of Christians have and a lot of ministries have where we take the goal and make that step one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, it's really important for us as Christians to, uh, to um, uh, find uh, leaders and mentors and, and pastors and whoever that can give us the map of how do we get from where we are now to where we need to be. Right. Um, step one uh, on, on doing all the stuff that you're looking at to do here is humility as it turns out. We've talked about on, on this show, I think it was Lee that, that coined this, the idea that thankfulness is the catalyst to just about anything that we want to do. It drives us, it orients us, it gives us uh, the right perspective, it gets us to the front door of what we need to do with the Lord. The first step in that door, so to speak, is humility. 100% of the time on anything you want to do. You want to be a better husband? Humble yourself. Right. I mean, a lot. Like a lot, a lot. Can't do it too much, you know. If you want to be a better preacher, believe me, humble yourself. Humility is a huge key to being a better preacher. In this case, you want to have a a prayer life that's more rich and more interactive where you're doing more listening. Humble yourself because here's the thing I want to ask you about. How much do you trust in your own assessment of your own situation? Because I can speak for me, I think I've got this thing assessed pretty sharply. In fact, I'm often... I'm going, seeing the angles here. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm often trying to explain it to Jesus, who doesn't quite get it. 
Hey, look, Jesus, <laughs> you don't understand what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about this person is a total jerk. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you, Jesus? <laughs> that's right. Lord, let's take a second. I'll break this whole thing down for you. Yeah, let's walk through it, it. it's, that, that's actually happening in a lot of my prayers. I mean, I realized it later. That's crazy. <laughs> Fall of mansplaining. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, well, very well done. Uh, so, you know, if we get into that, the, uh, the part of getting this listening and then acting on what we're we're getting is we're going to be told things that go counter to our own assessment of what's going on. So if you go to the Lord and say, Lord, should I um, uh, do the, call this person that I've been meaning to call and they need something from me and there's that, or should I go for a walk by the lake and relax. Those are two options. This is a simple thumbs up, thumbs down kind of prayer situation. It's sort of binary, A or B. And that makes it easier to listen to the answer because it's not just pick one out of a million different possibilities and so on and so forth. So we've made things easy for that communication to flow. That's good. But what's going to happen is you really feel like you need to make this phone call, and the Lord's going to say, no, take the walk down by the river. There's going to be a big part of you that's going to be like, okay, but did, did I, d- do you know about the phone call situation? You know, <laughs> yeah. That's really kind of important in a way. I'm not sure you're, maybe I ought to ask this again. And then, you know. It's important to, of course, wrestle with that and, and what have you, but there is a point of humility that will drive that process where I have to admit, I don't see all the angles. I don't know what I'm doing. That's what's going to allow you to move forward. Absolutely right. I think that is a fantastic place to start this off and that kind of assessment and that looking at those details, those are the kind of things you, you grow in. Those are the kind of things we definitely do want to move towards. And Jed, if we have that good foundation that Glenn's given us, kind of that that right mindset of knowing where we're starting, what would be that one next step we want to look at? Pick right up where Glenn left off. The thing that you can get once you have a sense of humility going is a sense of dependence. Uh, Mm. In many ways, that's really, you know, that's what a day-to-day walk with the Lord is, is figuring out how to be dependent, which you asked, you know, for information on, let me see, how did it come to be an important part of your walk? So shortly after I made a decision that I was really going to walk with the Lord, I was going to really do this Christian thing, my life started to go completely haywire. I mean, just weird thing after weird thing, everything falling apart. I'm not saying that'll happen for you. That's just what happened for me. Uh, And everyone else we know who's ever done that. And everyone else we've ever known who's ever done that. And what the Lord kept either putting me into or allowing me to go through were situations where all you got to do is not freak out. I will see you through this. I'll get you to the other side. All you got to do is not freak out. Be totally fine. Just don't freak out. And in order to not freak out, you need to learn for today to depend on me. And we'll get there. That's it. All you got to do is not freak out. Which, that doesn't sound that hard. And you may be a much better person than I am, which is not a high bar, if we're going to be clear. But for me... What I learned is the only way to not freak out is to depend on God on a daily basis. I'll give an example of what I mean. So this has been true for me, and and it's true basically for anybody who works for any kind of parachurch organization. That could be a Young Life, Campus Crusade for Christ, anybody who does foreign missions, anybody who does urban missions, is you got to raise a salary. 
in order to do this kind of work. So here's what that means. You're going to make a list of basically every person you've ever known. And then one by one, you're going to start calling them up and saying, hey, why don't you give me money? Now, mechanically, it's very simple and straightforward. I mean, the process couldn't be yeah. easier. Make phone call, get told no, make next phone call. It's really a, a one, two-step process. Absolutely. So, you know, if you can completely divorce the existence of your emotions, well, it's no problem at all. We could have this done in a few short weeks. But it turns out the freakout factor is very, very high because everything in your emotional life is saying, you're going to die. This is the worst <laughs> idea in the world. And of course, the thing of it is you can't sort all this out in a day or in a week or in a month. I mean, most people who have raised a salary to, you know, parachurch work in general, they would tell you that's a 12 to 18 month proposition to get that done. So it's 12 to 18 months of, I am either going to lose my mind and run away, uh, or I'm going to have to figure out how to depend on God today to not freak out. Those are the decisions that are before me. And so in my own life, the Lord kept putting me in situations where it was either give up or depend. That's it. You know, all you got to do is not freak out. And what I've learned as I've gone through this for, at this point, a pretty long time is that if you can get to a place, and for me, I don't think it's ever become easy to depend. It's, it's not, I just love depending. I get up in the morning like, Jesus, I just want to depend on you. That's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> there, there may be people that's true for, it's not true for me. But it's w- true for the hypothetical person in every sermon about dependence I've ever heard. Man. But what I've found is someone who's basically been forced to either you know quit or depend for a while now is... If you can get at all comfortable with dependence, you wouldn't believe the places God can take you through that vehicle. I mean, it, because it really is. I mean, we talk about God wants to do more through you than you, can, you could actually do yourself, which is true. Dependence is how that happens. Dependence is the way that that occurs. It's the mechanism. But to take us back to what Glenn said, um, we got to have humility in order to have dependence. There's there's no, we got to be willing to admit this is too much for me and I kind of can't hang with this. And in order to have that humility, as Glenn is referencing Lee, we got to have that sense of thankfulness to get to the humility, to get to the dependence. I think that's a really fantastic point and a great building block off off what Glenn started us off with. And Lee, I'd love to get you to close this out, but I think these guys have made a fantastic point for kind of the way we want to aim and the things we want to do. Inevitably, obstacles will come up in that. And our friend in the question mentioned opposition. So, uh, there's obviously there's there's the enemy opposition they're talking about, but that often takes the form of kind of thoughts in our own head. So what are the things we might have to l- be ready to move past in order to grow in this? Yeah, I I completely agree with with the things that these guys are are talking about here, and I know for myself, and, and I, I want to kind of suggest a really practical step, and this might not be the thing for you, but maybe something like it would work. I know for me. And for some of the people that that I counsel, this kind of stuff helps a lot, which is it might help to actually take some some time and write down a lot of the things that you're feeling um, about what it is you think you're supposed to be doing, what it is you think it means to follow the Lord daily, that kind of stuff. What are the things you think need to change in your life? I know for me, this has been a helpful thing for a couple of reasons. One, I just because of my own kind of... Uh, history in walking with the Lord, um, I have a lot of, of baggage about shame 
when it comes to finding the the voice of the Lord. And, and I love that in, in your question, you kind of asked us about our own spiritual journey. So I, I, I definitely want to deal with that and, and say that I, I've experienced just, just kind of a lot of shamey stuff in this, that everything that I felt like when I was growing up in the Lord, everything I felt like I was supposed to be prioritizing was all stuff that made me feel really guilty about me and made me feel really bad about me. And so the place that that I like to start when I'm trying to get better at hearing the voice of the Lord is I just literally physically write down everything I think is a should in my life. Just write it all down. Anything that I think needs to change, anything that I think I'm getting a lead on, anything like that. And what happens is when I'm looking at that physical list, it actually, for me, becomes a lot easier to do some triage on that list. In other words, I can look at that really easily and mark out just the shoulds in my life that are just total shame, just stuff that's completely from the enemy. For some reason, for me, it's a lot easier to see when I've written down all the stuff that I feel about it. What do I think it means to follow the Lord today? I'm just going to write down everything I think and feel about that. And then I can see kind of, this is shame. This is guilt. This is something that's old. This is something that's paid for. This has nothing to do with today. And all of a sudden, I can start to to weed down that list because, you know, the, the Lord said that everything in my past has been forgiven. And he also said to give no thought for tomorrow. So it becomes really easy when I, when I put a couple parameters on that list to figure out what the Lord might actually be leading me into today and what might just be old shame, old guilt, old opposition from the enemy, or just temptations about the future. So, when I've, when I've just marked some stuff off that list, now a list that maybe had 25 things on it, it might have three on it. And then that now I have so much, uh, so much more of a workable palette to deal with. You know, I can, I can take three things to the Lord and pray about those things and ask him, okay, I'm going to go spend some time in the scriptures. I'm going to, maybe I'm going to drive around, listen to some music or, or I'm going to talk to a good friend And I'm just going to ask you, Lord, to bring up the thing. Just lead me today. Bring up the thing you want me to work on. Bring it up in the scriptures. Bring it up in in personal worship. Or bring it up in a conversation with a friend that I trust. But bring it up. And when I've already done the triage, when I've already done the, the, the legwork of just kind of getting rid of some of the, just the fodder of my own shame and guilt and, and, and the mess of the enemy, then that list becomes so much easier to prioritize. I don't know if that would be a help for you. I know it's been a huge help for me to be able to just look at, I'm going to start with where I feel, start with the things that I feel, and I'm just going to mark a bunch of it off. And now I know how to refine my prayer. And that may be a good place to start. And it may be that, that you get to a place with the reps where you're learning how to listen to the Lord, that you don't even have to deal with that list. You can just go to the Lord and you can start talking to him and you and he can just start knocking that stuff off your list and you don't have to write stuff down anymore. But I think that this is a healthy part of not only the, the gratitude and the humility and all this stuff that these guys are talking about, but also just making sure we're getting rid of anything that has to do with shame or temptation about the future, or fears, or anything like that. As we deal with humility and thankfulness and dependence, we also want to make sure we get shame and guilt out of the way. And so that may be a practical way to face some of that. I think it's all really fantastic stuff from these guys, and uh, wonderful places to start, and practical tips. And if, as ever, if you have follow-up questions uh, about listening to the Lord, about any of the other stuff you asked about, feel free to remember, we love talking about this, this 
topic in particular. And we feel, I think I can speak for all this in the show saying this is a thing that gets really under discussed in church stuff is that kind of individual leading of the Lord. So we, we love breaking that down. So if you want to hear more on that, please do let us know. We're going to move on to our second question here. Came in anonymously and it says, how do I maintain focus and strength to accomplish my calling? My history is that I stumble before completing things. And Jared, where do we start off with this? Well, I love this question and I love your honesty and I'm really glad that you that you wrote in. Glenn often refers to himself as the mean little man. Um, that's another thing people think that you're making up. There. Yeah, no, that's that's hyper true. Uh, Were it not for uh, 501c3 uh, tax regulations, that's probably what his business card would say. Definitely. And Glenn will regularly say, the mean little man wants to see XYZ happen, <laughs> um, which is fine. It's, it's lovely. Now, here's the thing is, um, when, when Glenn brings forth the mean little man, there's generally something fairly impossible that needs to get accomplished. It needs to happen, which is why the mean little man is weighing in. Yeah. But no one has any idea how to do it. Yes. Um, if we knew how to do it, it'd already be done. Yeah. So, now why do I bring this up? I bring it up to say, we regularly come up against things where it's like, I have no, that's not doable. What, do, what, are, you, what are you talking about? How would we do that? Okay, here's how we do it. It's a two-step process. It's going to sound like I'm being really simple, but I, I promise you this, this is actually it. There's, there's two steps. Do you know what the next step is? Do you have the resources for the next step? Those are the two questions that matter. That's, that's actually how you do the impossible. Let me break down what I mean. Suppose that you, you, you talked about you know, your calling. Well, suppose that the mean little man has issued an edict of we need to make our own version of the Jesus film. Uh, you might have heard that's a, a ministry tool. Actually, it still is, but for a long time, it was a film about the life of Jesus, and it's shown all over the world as an evangelism tool. So, just as a make play, this is not something we do. But you know, we need our own version of uh, of the Jesus film. Go. That's you know, I as your boss am calling you to do that. Do it. Okay. Do you know the next step? Do you know the one literal next thing you would do to move this process forward? Because if you don't know it, you can't possibly take it, right? right? And again, that sounds really obvious, except I can't tell you how often we talk to people that are facing all kinds of challenges, and we basically say, well, you, tell me what your next step is. They say, oh, I have no idea. Okay, well, that's fine, but we can't fault you for taking it if you don't know what it is. So that's, right. that's fine. So if you don't know what your next step is, then that's about getting wisdom. That's about finding someone who might know, certainly who would know more than you, who can begin to fill in the details. You know, we didn't make our own Jesus film. Maybe I'll go find people who make films and I'll talk to them. They have to know more about it than I do. So we'll start there. Prayer is a good part of that. Talking to a pastor and a mentor is a good part of that. Talking to someone who may not even be a believer, but who has done things along these lines before, might have some knowledge about it. Gather as much wisdom, as much perspective as you can get. If you know what the next step is, well, you're already halfway there. Hey, you should feel encouraged. That's great. You're well on your way. Now the question is, do you have the resources for that next step? So suppose we got to make our own Jesus film and we go and we talk to people who, who know things about this and say, well, really, filmmaking is a craft. So you need to get yourself a camera and you need to start just making any kind of movie. It could be 20 seconds long, but that's, that's how you learn and you just, you got to learn by doing. Okay. So must get camera. Do I have access to a camera? 
It turns out I have one built into my phone. Well, I'm off to the races. It's great. Must be nice. It's a phone with a camera in it. (laughs) Matt, you're going to be pretty impressed. I went down to the T-Mobile and I said, oh, I'll sign up. But you got to have a little something in there for me. You better throw in a phone. Wow. And and they said, sir, we, we literally do that for everyone. Sure. And I was like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Sure you do. Then you yelled discipleship and knocked over a stand full of phone cases. (laughs) Exactly. So maybe you have my kind of epic negotiating skills where you can just insist on a free phone when you get your T-Mobile and they just give it to you. Because that's how it is. But you've got a camera. All right, cool. Now it's rinse and repeat. Do we know what the next step is now that we have a camera? We maybe need to get some more wisdom. Okay, here's an easy kind of first film to make. This is the kind of thing you want no talking and you want nothing moving. So it's super simple. Great. Now I'm going to make it. I know it sounds kind of reductive, but if you'll keep doing that two-step loop, do I know what the next step is? Do I have the resources? And then you take that next step. Dude, you can do the impossible. I guarantee you you can. There's no hill you can't climb. There's no obstacle you can't overcome. We talk to people all the time who feel stuck in fulfilling their calling. They feel like they've lost the thread. They feel like they're not getting there. And 99 times out of 100, if you dig deep enough, they either don't know what the next step is or they don't feel like they know how to get the resources to take that next step. If you can keep working that process and then taking that next step, guarantee you, you'll get where you're going. It's a great point. I think a really fantastic place to start this off. Lee, I'd love to get you to to pick us up here because... Um, I think Jed's given us a really good pattern for going forward and a place to start off with that. But it is fairly short question. Our friend even mentions one of the things that can take us out from that first day is the, well, but last time, da, 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 da. Yeah. So how do we start off not letting that get to us? Yeah. I mean, my, my thought on this has, has kind of two parts. And the first part is exactly where Matt's kind of leading me, which is that whatever, <clears throat> excuse me. Whatever kind of failures may have been in the past, those are over. And those failures don't inform anything about what this next time can be or what you are going to be this time. Um, if, if you have any kind of shame about whatever has gone on before, it's time to dump that and leave it behind. Because here's some, here's some really good news. Jesus says that whatever has gone before has been paid for and he has forgotten it. He has dropped it into the the bottom of a sea of forgetfulness. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You get to start over. So uh, sometimes we paint ourselves by our past experiences and we get this kind of name. You know, I, I'm a failure because of this. I'm I'm a, you know, I'm I'm a no good whatever because of the way that I did this last thing. But what Jesus says is, I'm going to give you a white stone with a new name on it. And the past is gone, and that has nothing to do with the way I feel about you or the way that I see you. And that's what we've got to know is that the one who runs the whole universe says, you're a new creation. Now what are we going to do? So let's start there. We need to get rid of shame. We need to drop that. We need to drop whatever the past is. The old, the old story doesn't fit anymore. Okay, we're writing a new thing. And then the second thing that I would say is, whatever that calling is going to be, I would seek something where you have a team involved. Because inevitably, whatever you're doing, at some point, you're going to hit something that's hard. Just a, a thing that is is so difficult, I don't know how I'm going to get past this. And the, 
the most comfortable thing that you can possibly imagine is setting it down and stopping. Just, just, just setting down and going home. Just not going any further. And the cool thing about having a team is that the team looks around and says, well, let's go. Um, let's do this together. I'll pick up a side, you pick up a side. You know, the, the, uh, the guy in Mark chapter 2, the uh, paralyzed guy that four friends took him to go see Jesus, and they picked up, each of them picked up a corner of this guy's sleeping bag. Well, if it had only been one of them, he couldn't have gotten this guy there. But all four of them together saying, you grab a corner, I'll grab a corner, let's go. And then when they got there and you can't even get in the house, they said, well, let's tear the roof back. You know, when you have a team, all of a sudden, the impossible becomes possible in the same way that Jed's talking about step one, do I know what the next step is? Step two, do I, do I have the resources for these steps? I mean, what Jed's talking about, I mean, this is the way they literally built a rocket that took people into outer space. And, and Glenn can tell you about that with his family history. Yep. This is true. But at the same time, and in the same way, that's what a team is for too, that a team is able to say... I will walk with you as we take this next step. Yes, this is more difficult than anything we could have imagined was going to happen, but we're going to do it. This, the guys that you hear on this podcast, they have been putting on the bridge every Tuesday for like 15 years or something like that. Forgive me if I got the math wrong on that, but they haven't missed a Tuesday. You know, it doesn't matter what's happened if, if the Tuesday was on Christmas Day or thunder snow or whatever. These guys have put on the bridge. And that is because it wasn't Glenn by himself. He had a team of people. And so you're going to hit, in, in following your calling, you're going to hit a moment that feels impassable. And when you have teammates to lean on and teammates to get encouragement from and teammates to get prayer for and teammates to say, you go rest and I'll pick up this next thing and then we'll see you on the other side of it, then you can get anything done. Absolutely right. And uh, Lee's math, even though he is sick, is correct. It is 15 years as of, <laughs> as a matter of fact, this very month at the bridge. And uh, Glenn... I think these guys are both giving us amazing stuff to kind of start off with here. Um, let's look at, uh, obviously everybody's calling is a little different. Even, you know, sure. people who work at the same thing, all four of us in the show, we have different callings. They, they overlap in some big ways, but everybody's calling is an individual thing. But what are some things that that road is almost certainly going to contain as you start working towards that? Uh, obstacles. Yeah. Uh-oh. Lots of obstacles. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I think we can all uh, sort of use our imagination and get a sense of why someone would think, well, if I'm doing the right thing, then God would work it out to where there would be no obstacles to getting this done. That's how I know it's my calling, is it'll be the smoothest possible way. Yeah. and, and Sounds good. <laughs> sounds right. Uh, and you could you could express it by its opposite and say maybe all these obstacles are a sign I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, that's also a sign of someone who isn't asking God at all and is just trying to read the minutia of the situation. Uh, but the reality is you should expect obstacles to happen when you're doing the right thing. That's yep. the sign you're Hello. looking for. Yep. You know? <laughs> the more progress you're making, the more the enemy is going to push back on that thing. And, you know, the Lord means that for good, as much as the devil means that for evil. We get stronger, we get smarter. Uh, you know, exactly what uh, Jed was saying, and, and Lee both. Uh, if you look at 
what the people on this podcast accomplish. Uh, I'm going to say something. I'm just going to give you some real talk. I'm going to say something that will sound horribly self-aggrandizing and then something very humble on the back end. And I think that'll cancel each other out. Sounds good to me. Yep. Let's let's try it. <laughs> let's try it. Find out. Uh, the, the, the people that you're listening to, we generally speaking get more ministry done on accident than most people get done on purpose. And we do that with a minute minute fraction of the budget that other people operate on take whatever number you're thinking of go way way lower yeah yeah <laughs> and we also do that with people who are almost altogether outside of the church have almost no church experience uh we do that with people whose lives are really in a low place and so forth think of how low you're thinking and then lower it along <laughs> yeah yeah the, this is this is the definition of sledding uphill and then it's all run by a mean mean little man he's a mean little man y'all i mean he, he spit donut on one of his employees <laughs> this is what i'm saying that's me at a party yeah. and you know that's at a party at a nice event you know this is, uh, you know, the the expectation. Yeah, this wasn't a disciplinary thing. No, this no, was yeah, that was just for fun. You know, just <laughs> go sit in the donut chair. Yeah, just give them something to think about. So here's the thing. That's that's the self-aggrandizing part. Okay, here's the humble part. We ask for advice and insight more than anybody else you know. Yeah. If you take a, a ministry that is struggling and trying to figure itself out and isn't quite getting its act together, I promise you, we ask for advice 10, as we're succeeding, we ask for 10 times more advice than those people do. That's how we get to the level yep. of, of that kind of success. It, th that does require a lot of humility, as we were talking about in the last question. It does require a certain type of attitude. But the thing is, when the mean little man says, hey, why don't you, uh, you know, go down to Hades, uh, uh, grab a guy who can help us uh, carry this box around or whatever it is, you know, they, when, when somebody asks you for the impossible and you get desperate enough to say, okay, let me ask for advice, and you ask for the advice, and that makes it suddenly very uh, easier and makes it doable and possible, and you realize... I'm going to accomplish this unbelievable thing, and I'm going to look good doing it, and I don't have to give anybody credit. I can just say, you know, I did it through just sheer, you know. Clean living. Clean living, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, all this starts working out to the positive. Uh, we, we're able to be successful. We're able to do that. But that's all day, every day saying, hey, so-and-so, I need your help on this. I, I just don't know. I'm lost in the weeds. you got to help me out here. The more that you front off and try to act successful, which is what most ministries are obsessed with, yeah. then they end up never getting any wisdom because they can't admit that they don't know something. Yeah, We, we right. admit we don't know any of it, that we're still learning. We're still barely able... This ministry, this is absolutely true. Despite all the success we have, we are often barely, barely able to figure out what we need to do. Yep. You know, how, how are we going to do this thing? We're just barely, barely figuring that out and barely working that out. So uh, you know, where would we be if we weren't asking for advice? Last little concept here. Uh, I, I actually preached about this last week at the bridge, but it's worth going back to. Be relentless. Yep. An yeah. obstacle is going to come your way. 
get twice as dug in when that happens. Hello? Send the devil a message. If you're going to make it hard on me, I'm going to make it twice as hard on you. You don't. Now you've got me mad. Now I'm focused. Now yeah. I'm dug in on this thing. Not only am I not going to give up, I'm going to go at this twice as hard. I'm going to make you sorry you ever put this obstacle in my path and made me humble myself and ask for advice, made me listen to the Lord, made me you know, recognize my limitations, get me more focused. You are going to wish you'd never put this obstacle in my path. I'm going to be relentless. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to be determined. And that's for the long haul. You know, anybody can get wound up and get all feverish in the moment. You know, just all the, you get, get all, you know, spiritual fervor going or something. And which is really more emotional fervor, as we yeah. know. But if you, you can get that going for a moment, that goes away pretty darn quick when things start to go wrong. But having that relentless dug-in mentality is how you accomplish these tougher things. Yes, that sermon Glenn mentions was on the topic of being an overcomer, which uh, will make an appearance as the topic of our March Bridgebox. Oh, well, hello uh, Which there. you can hear, said sermon, missionusa.com <laughs> slash Bridgebox. Speaking of relentlessness, double plug. Woo! Woo! That is right. I, I would tag on one, one very small thing, and it ties right into what Glenn is saying there. Um, the I think we think a little too preciously about the idea of a calling a in that it's something you, you, you have to be the best at it, which comes to, to that kind of idea of not asking for advice. One of the uh, best pastors we have at the bridge. He's been doing this for decades. He's very high in denomination. He's just personally one of my favorite preachers. He's the preacher other than Glenn that I've ever heard that I'm most jealous of was having a conversation. Uh, Glenn was introducing, and we may have told the story before to another one of our pastors who said, this is, this past star has been doing this for for a long time. And the first line out of his mouth, whoa, 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 I'm a beginner. I don't want to be one of them experts. Yeah. Which Glenn immediately yelled the word stolen and ran away. <laughs> but it speaks to a point of, again, a man who's had a lot of success, who gets flown around the world to tell people how to do this, that idea of my calling isn't about me being the cool one. It's about me growing and learning. And that also means, and I think it's a thing that doesn't always get talked about this, a calling is never finished. None of us leave this world with our calling just totally. That's exactly what I want it to be. And it's all the way that's, um, you know, you, you want to influence people and they go out and do more stuff. And that's part of your calling. And that continues to grow and grow. So this idea of, well, I've quit on stuff before. How do I know about my calling? I'm reading a little bit into a short question, but I think it speaks to uh, what I've experienced in my life, what we've, we've all experienced talking to people is that idea of, okay, but shouldn't I wait until I'm totally lined out to approach something as important and delicate as calling your calling is not that delicate. You the calling as we were talking about the previous question is a day by day thing. It's something, something you grow into. It's something that's going to morph and that's all, that's all fine. And as it should be, as you go on that. Okay. We're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in to our email inbox and it says, I got divorced a few years ago for a bunch of reasons, which included my ex-husband's infidelities. My new boyfriend and I just had the porn conversation. He told me that he thinks porn is wrong, but believes it still serves a purpose. When he first became a Christian, he tried to stop. And when he realized the difficulty, he went to see a doctor who informed him that masturbation is normal and beneficial. Since then, his small group has spoken on the topic of porn. And as a result, he watches porn less. I feel triggered by his porn use because my mind equates it to cheating and my abusive marriage. Should I be concerned about the porn use or should I seek therapy for myself again? And Lee, uh, a lot going on there, but I, again, as is the theme this week, really great question, really honest question. So where would we start off with it? 
Yeah. Um, well, we want to say thank you for writing into us, um, and and definitely sorry for um, just what you've been through. Uh, you've been through a lot, and and all of that sucks. And I, and I want to say it, it totally makes sense that you feel triggered off of of what he's going through with the with the porn use, and. <clears throat> We should say that the goal should be for anybody that wants to be in a healthy relationship to take that porn usage down to zero and, and move past it completely. And we can be understanding about that process that it takes that that you know that that takes some time and that it's difficult. And we want to make sure that that a person does that in the right way so that they're not just kind of hiding what they're doing or taking it underground or something like that. But you know. When I see a question like this, there's a there's a place my mind immediately goes to, and I don't know why. For a lot of people, it never goes there, which is, um, and and, and I and I hate if this comes across as extremely blunt, but you can also just break up with them. Um, it, there's a there's a thing about dating relationships where we elevate them to the level of it's this holy thing and i have to do whatever i can to protect it even if the person that that i'm in a dating relationship with has a behavior they're not willing to change that triggers the old things that were so awful in my old abusive relationship <laughs> um my friend uh you get to just walk out of this one and you can do that today um and and, and i know that it that it may not feel as simple as all that because you've invested in in this and and you guys are are building a history and stuff like that but i want to encourage you that that um if i had let's take it out of the realm, realm of porn for a second if i had anything in my life that triggered something painful from my wife's past um if i was unwilling to remove that thing from my life and to get to work on that today, that would be a humongous issue. Let's let's forget about it even being about porn. You are you have an emotional, an abusive thing that that you have gone through, that you have sought therapy about, and all kinds of stuff, which we applaud you seeking a counselor and working through that and working through all those steps. And it's amazing. And then somebody has a behavior that is not a necessary part of life. It's not that the guy's eating and that causes you to be triggered or something like that. This is, this is a thing that he could move past. And, um, and he's saying, no, this, is, this still serves a purpose. You can just break up with this person. I think that this is a thing that we don't often look at uh, enough, with, with uh, especially with Christians for some reason. If two people are believers, they're both in small groups, they're both walking with the Lord, or they're in ministry, it's almost like breaking up is the worst thing you can do. No, you can break up. And so I want to encourage you that that um, you know it, if you if he just can't see this and uh, you know on the same plane as you, um, then you can just walk out of this relationship and seek one where the person is is willing to to understand the things that have happened to you and and not you know push those trigger buttons. Absolutely, I think that's a really fantastic place to start off. And Glenn, where would you pick us up there? Because there there's a lot going on here, and I think. Yeah. Uh, Lee did a great job looking at kind of uh, some of the high level, very important um, emotional and relationship aspects of this. So a phrase I'd hope to never have to say on the show again, let's talk about the porn. Yeah. Cause there's, there's some stuff going on here and some of it's, it's one of the things I think may be a bit difficult to navigate here is I don't see anyone in this situation as it's described to us who is giving wrong 
opinion or advice. Right. But it's all coming from a place. Yeah. So there's an opinion on porn that a single dude has who maybe is right. trying to keep it to a dull roar. Yeah. There's an opinion on porn that a woman who has experienced infidelity and abuse has. Right. There's an, op- uh, an opinion on masturbation that a medical doctor who is talking in a clinical setting has. Right. And then there's some small group stuff. So there's, but a lot of this seems to be breaking down. We're trying to figure out, is this right? Is this wrong? Right. Which is a binary that may not really exist here. Yeah. So how do we start looking at this? What perspective do we want to look at this whole thing through? Yeah, none of those. Oh. Because uh, if you lay them all Oh, up, option E. <laughs> exactly. None of the above. Yeah, if you look at it, you lay all these perspectives on top of each other, you just get a mess, which is how yeah. we, we get stuck in these things. Um, so let's start, as you're suggesting here, let's start sorting through some things here. First of all, hey, uh, if the... I'm under doctor's orders excuse worked <laughs> that we, we'd all, you know, we all, you know, no, <laughs> that's not, I mean, my man. Yeah. We're, we're going to need to see some kind of prescription from a urologist before I, anybody's I, buying I, that. I, I need to talk to the fellows out there. Come on now. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> I mean, you gotta get some more hustle than that. I mean, you just, no. Just, just no. So there's that. Um, uh, y- you know, the doc says it's normal. It, it is. Uh, it, beneficial is definitely pushing it. If you, uh, you know, uh, people who are celibate their whole lives actually do run a slightly increased risk of prostate cancer. Uh, that has nothing to do with a boyfriend abstaining for a few months so we're we're nowhere near if if it did uh prostate cancer charities would be the most funded thing in the history of mankind (laughs) yeah uh but here's the thing um we're not asking is this the right thing you know if it's good or bad or whatever it doesn't matter is it the right thing in other words there's a lot of good things i could be doing with my day but one of these things is the right thing because it's what God's called me to do. So I have to figure that out. Um, uh, let's also, uh, I, I, I want to make sure that we say this out loud, that, that porn is wrong, it is bad. Yes, for uh, a number of reasons, ethical, moral, but it's uh, no, no, not good. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to skip over that deal detail. We're, we're, we're getting into the to, uh, other issues, but we want to make sure that is said. Uh, we also want to say that it's a fairly universal thing, and we're not always honest about that part of this discussion. But here's the thing. You're, we're dating. In other words, if there's a guy out there that's super lonely and just having problems and issues and struggles, and he's by himself, and there's no accountability, and the computer's there and whatever, you can sort of add up, okay, this... I can see how this happens. You know, I understand that uh, sometimes you get to feeling like there's just no light at the end of this tunnel. And whether that's drug stuff or sex stuff or whatever, you start getting into sort of an addictive kind of thing to try and satisfy that uh, loneliness or whatever that you're dealing with. Uh, This dude ain't lonely. So that doesn't really fit here. In other words, if if there was such a thing as a reasonable excuse, he doesn't have it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but then I want to turn this around to you. Uh, let's talk about triggers. Uh, these are not good to have. 
and we want to deal with them. I mean, we've all got them. This is all this is part of life. There's certain things that 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 are going to you know bring up stuff from your past, and it's not like you can get rid of 100% of those things uh, to 100% effectiveness. Things will come up. And also, uh, we might call some of that wisdom instead of a trigger. Like, you know, I've learned a little bit about how these things work. And if this looks like the other situation, it might be like that situation. So that's right. that's what that is. If it's wisdom, let's call it wisdom. If it's uh, this looks vaguely like this other situation like my ex had two legs and walked upright and he has two legs and he walks upright so like the 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 similarities are just uncanny you know that pretty suspicious there yeah that when we're when we're creating connections that we're kind of uh constructing things that's a bad thing we want to get out of that we don't want the new guy to pay for what the old guy did. We definitely want the new guy to be accountable for his behavior, and I think that's not a trigger issue with you. I think that's that's a, a an accountability issue with him. Uh, and and as Lee is saying, at the very least, if you as the the girlfriend say, you know what, this makes me feel all kinds of bad and inappropriate, and this is not it then if nothing else, that should be the end of the conversation, really. Uh, that's just out, out of respect. I mean, if if, if you had a, a gal who said, I just, I can't see you wearing that sweater. It reminds me of my dog who died or something. Yes. You don't put the sweater on. It doesn't matter how much you like the sweater, <laughs> dude. I mean, hello, you know, just... What, do you think this is a case of I just get to do whatever I want, and I guess you got to just hey, get I've up got with sweater that. rights. Yeah, exactly right. And that takes me <laughs> to my last point in First Corinthians uh, ten uh, twenty three. Paul is talking to people who are saying essentially the same thing. He's quoting them where they say anything's permissible for me. It's sort of like, hey, it's a free country kind of a thing. He he quotes them as saying that kind of thing, and then he says, okay, yeah, you have this saying everything's permissible for me. But he says, is everything beneficial? And that's different. You know, the, the idea of, is it okay? Can I get away with it? Is, is it medicinal or whatever? That's all over here. Is this going to help this relationship? If, if it might hurt it, then we're, we're, there's no reason to talk about it at all. Or, you know, But I think we get in this mentality of, would it be, okay, this is a bad thing, but is it so bad that I really have to stop? That's the wrong mentality. The right mentality is how good can this relationship be? And what are all of the things that would lead to this getting better? And if this is in if this isn't in that category, then it needs to go on that basis. I think that's absolutely right. And Jed, I think that transitions into uh, the point I would imagine we want to end on, which is we've we've talked about a lot of the things about this situation that are to use a technical term, a train wreck. Yep. Which is fine. Uh, most relationships, almost all, and as we pointed out in the show, all marriages start out as train wrecks. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I would, I would like us to to maybe end in a bit different for us on a bit of a positive note. Ooh, because there's one thing that is almost unequivocally right going here, which is we're talking about this uncomfortable thing. Yep. I think as we as we take Glenn's advice, and obviously this all starts with with Lee's point where nobody's married here, so if you if you want to just cut bait and run, that's perfectly acceptable and moral. But then we we can go to what Glenn is saying of if we want to have the right attitude about this, how good can this be? Where can we go from here? 
I think we actually may have a slightly better footing for that than it looks like right now. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I think it would definitely be good to to flip to the positive. And here's the positive. Um, I think, suppose you guys get married, whether that's uh, six weeks or six months or six years from now, suppose that you get married. What we want for you is a healthy, fun, satisfying sex life as a married couple. That's that's right. what we want for you. Um, right. We 100% believe to the core of our soul that's what God would want for you uh, yeah, in yes. that situation. Yeah. Uh, we got Bible verses and everything on Totally. That. Here's the question. Do you guys know what a healthy, fun, satisfying sex life would look like and how it would work? Okay. Because um, if you don't... You ain't learning from those websites, friend. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing is that's true mechanically, of course. That's, yeah. that's not how sex works. Uh, but it's also true just you guys, what you'll find should you get married is that in every area of life, you got to roll your own thing, man. You got to you got to have a custom fit solution that yeah. fits the two of you. It's true in your sex life too. Um, you know, so you guys are going to have to build that healthy, fun, satisfying sex life. Again, we want that for you. Um, I believe that's actually a holy thing. Uh, I think God wants that for you, but you got to build it. It will not jump together on its own. Um, it, it takes work to get there. And so that work, if you can dig it, actually begins now before you're married. Um, this might be a little awkward, like if you've just started dating someone, but if you're in a place where you're seriously beginning to talk and think about marriage, and it certainly sounds like you guys are, if you're having the kind of very vulnerable, intimate conversation that you're having is talking about sex now, even though, again, things that we need to say out loud, we don't think you should be having sex before you're married. Uh, that said, there we said it, we said it. Talking about sex is a very good idea. If you feel like you couldn't possibly do that as a married, as a dating couple in the same room because the temptation would be too high, do it over the phone. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but talking about sex is how you begin to get to a place where you can have that healthy, fun, satisfying sex life. So often, Christians are focused they're focused on the negative. They're focused on the bad. They can definitely be focused on the, you know, what can I get away with? You know, how bad can it be before it's a problem? And those, that's not the way to do anything, much less sex. But they can also be so focused on the bad that they never figure out how to do the good. Here's the thing. Your boyfriend could go cold turkey on the porn thing. Never think a lustful thought again. And you could handle every trigger you've got. That doesn't mean you've got a good sex life. Yep. Right. Those are not uh, right. connected. Um, now, they may be building blocks. They may be related in a sense, but him quitting porn, you totally sorting yourself out. There's a lot of compelling reasons for both of those, but that does not just jump you to a healthy sex life. You actually have to build a healthy sex life. And, and again, we want that for you. The thing that we would encourage you to do is to work backwards from your goals, to work backwards from the things that you really want. Again, so often church stuff is, this is this is right and this is wrong because it is. So get with the program. Maybe there's a place for that, but we encourage you, work backwards from your goals. What do you want this relationship to look like? What do you want your sex life to look like? How do you want it to be? Now, what does it take to get there? I would find it surprising for most people, most of the time, if a healthy, fun, satisfying sex life involved much in the way of porn use. Right. I would find that surprising. Yeah. 
I, I suppose I could be wrong, but I'd find it surprising. I would also find it surprising if a healthy, fun, satisfying sex life involved people not handling hangups from prior relationships. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, I could be wrong, but I'd be, I'd be pretty surprised. But the thing is, if you can focus on the goal and work backwards from there, one of the things that's going to give you is some gas in the tank for making changes. Man, it's really, really tough to say, here's this thing you don't want to do um, and that you it's going to be really hard and it probably won't work and you should just do it because it's right. That is not good motivation. That's, <laughs> and, but if we want to be fair, that's what most Christians are saying most of the time. Yeah. Um, if you, however, say, here's this thing I really care about and I want to see it go a certain way and I want to see it work out. On that basis, I want to do the things that will lead to it. That's a different thing. That's different motivation. That's a different process. We want you to get to that good stuff. We want you to be satisfied. We want you to be happy. Maybe that's not with this person. Maybe that's with someone else. And and, and that's for both of you. Um, you know, that's maybe maybe both of you be happier than people. But whoever you want up with, we want you to be happy. We want you to be satisfied. And we think figuring out what it takes to get there uh, is worth doing that. We believe in you. Keep your head up. Absolutely right. That is all fantastic stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com if you want to write that in anonymously. We're going to take out the song this week. This is from the February edition of Bridgebox. This is from our friend, North Carolina worship leader, Kyle Sigmund. A Ooh. lovely song he wrote called Rest. We'll take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, ejecting a pre-digested donut of godly wisdom into your ear hole. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the burdens of life take a toll. Struggling, carrying such heavy loads. Of worries and fears through the night. But your yoke is easy, your burden is light You're gentle and humble, and I'll learn from you To be gentle and humble, and love like you do So I come to Struggling, carrying such heavy 
come to you.